been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of exposure four. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Now remember, given the payday, has it been accounted for? Okay. 610 That was the main date. 610 I'm out here. We got a fire. One and a half story, single family dwelling. Fire shown from the second floor. Give me a second alarm on this. See up to the top floor. I got people hanging out the top floor windows with a baby. Commercial building. Uh, a lot of fire, a lot of smoke. Go ahead and strike a third alarm on my orders on this. We got people on the front fire escape here with windows dripping below them. We need somebody up there. Yeah, let them know we got a job. I'm pulling up now. Second alarm, I got a one-story single-family frame, heavy fire showing from the attic. So we're using all these. We got one line stretch, fire on the fourth floor, second line being stretched, primary stretches are underway. Hey, welcome to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, along with my best buddy and partner, Chief John Salka. And we've been kind of, uh, John, we've been kind of tagging our shows these past couple episodes for the for the request of some of our, our, our listeners. Uh, we've been kind of concentrating on, on, on right now a little bit on vent, a little bit on search and rescue. Um, I, I know I get asked a lot. We both do classes on it about the outside vent position, um, whether that's the fifth person in your rig or just a firefighter assigned to that. I think our last show we talked about the vent in our search with two firefighters because you know we're going in and you know we we we, we got to leave someone at the window for us or so and so forth. Um, I, I know John, we've had tremendous success. Um, using the, the, the OV uh, at fires. I know there were some chiefs that I know I, when I first end up uh, in a particular area that were confusing that with freelancing. I'm like, it's not freelancing unless you're doing stuff that the IC doesn't know and you're in a building by yourself crawling around in an IDLH atmosphere. We're not talking about that, but there are a ton of things. I know you and I each, like I said, do programs on us. There are a ton of things that the OV can get done for you. Um, you know, now, obviously, I don't think we're going to send our newest firefighter necessarily back to do this because we need someone that at least can process a few things by experience or by, by training. But, uh, how? I mean, all the years as a volunteer and all the years in the FDOI, John, I know the OV has been huge where you came from. I mean, talk about that for a second on how important the outside vent, you know, position is at a fire. Absolutely. And, and what's great about the outside vent position, well, well first, to answer that first uh you know, question or doubt that some people have about, well, gee, this guy's freelancing the old, you know, the IC doesn't know what he's doing around the back and stuff like that. Once you have the outside vent concept, once you have that position built into your, into your strategies, let's just say for private dwellings or residential buildings, right? Once you have that OV concept built in, now the incident commander, not only are you not freelancing, but now the incident commander has another, uh, another firefighter out there that can feed him some information or report conditions in, in a location that he can see, for example, you know, the rear of the house. IC comes in, even if he does a 360, he still ends up back in the front of the building. And now he knows three minutes later, it could be, you know, a command to a lot of one OV. He's going to get an answer. Go ahead, chief. What are the conditions around the rear at this time? And he can report, oh, we now got fire out two windows in the rear or, you know, just heavy smoke or, or whatever the conditions are. It doesn't really matter. So I just want to answer that one thing first. The second thing is that's really great about the outside vent position is it's, it's not an urban tactic. It's not for New York City, FDNY, Chicago only. It's a great tactic for small volunteer fire departments. Oh, absolutely. Have, you know, limited manpower or small career departments that have three or four guys on a rig and they're waiting for the next rig to get there. Um, you can even take it to an extreme. And, and it's a bit of an extreme, but, you know, small volunteer departments that have some exterior folks, maybe some older folks that aren't going in anymore, or maybe some younger guys that aren't quite trained up to the level yet of being interior structural firefighters, 
you can have an exterior firefighter go around the rear of the building and perform almost all of the outside vent position tactics and duties without ever going in the building, you know? So that opens it up to, to departments that have, like I said, exterior firefighters who are, who are fully geared up and ready to go to work. They're just not going to go inside. They're not going to be wearing SCBA. It opens it up to a whole, a whole larger group of, of fire departments and companies. Oh, and John, talk for a second about, about, about the importance of this position, that this isn't just something that's a nice to, I guess it's a nice to have depending on your staffing, but my goodness, we, I mean, this can make or break what you're doing with your initial fire attack, you know, potentially save some lives too, but just what it does for that attack, the initial attack crew, Right. Getting around to the back and, right. and popping the backside. And again, you know what? If you want to, if you want to use some of the new terms that have been thrown around lately, like like flow path and stuff, that's really what that's really what the outside vent is doing. He's making a ventilation opening and he's creating a flow path for the fire to assist what? To assist the inside attack team that's moving in and trying to extinguish the fire from the inside. If if you're going from the inside to the outside, if you're going from the unburned to the burn, which is, you know, historically and tactically and and, and practically speaking, a very well-proven tactic. If you're doing that, the outside vent is the person that's opening the hatch on the other, at the other end of the fire so that it gives a place for the heat and the smoke and the gases and the steam to be pushed out opposite the, uh, the direction that the hose line is coming in. It, makes it, elite, it, it, it improves conditions a little bit for the engine crew. It's going to improve conditions, actually, for any victims that are in, still inside the building, because now things are going to start to lift and vent and maybe even cool off a little bit. So I, I think that there's some, there's several tactical benefits. Well, exactly. And it helps the IC, it helps the incident commander. I mean, kind of help paint that picture. You, you know, you did, your, you've talked about many times that about the time you lap that, let's just call this house fire, you lap it, you come back, things could dramatically change. So you know, now you got another person back there, give you an update on conditions you know, and, and be able to see something that maybe has progressed since then. Um, it gives us that a, a immediate exterior survey. It helps us in locating victims, um, help us, it, it help you as the incident commander, maybe feed you some information on locating the seat of fire or the progression of the fire. You know, we're also, I've, I've, I've always said this, we're creating firefighter escape routes too. You know, we get around the back and for, we'll, we'll hang on to that in a second by forcing a door that may have had two or three locks, you know, there's been times the initial crews got in there and they've lost water or whatever, and now they're cut off. Now's not the time to become a locksmith when you get to the kitchen door, the back door to figure out how you're going to, you know, especially if you had a nozzle and maybe you didn't bring a tool with you per se, because your tool was the nozzle to, to get that back door. We'll talk about those in a second. Um, but, but Jim, the OV, this person, um, like you said, can, can be filled by, 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 by several people when it comes to that. But, let's take them, let's walk this, all right? You you give me the assignment. You know, uh, BC Salka gives me the assignment you know, last year, the OV. I pull up, I jump off. You know, I, I've, I've told people I want to I, I want to grab a set of irons or at least a halogen. You know, I can do a lot with just a halogen, but, you know, some of them are, you, you know how to carry them. You can marry them together. We've taught people before, John, for the, for the, for the outside vent person, grab a set of irons. And, and a six-foot hook's nice, but I'm like a big one. I'd rather drag an eight-footer because I may have a little bit more I may have to reach a little bit further to address a window or something. If it's a two-story, we've even told guys, try to drag a straight ladder, something you can back there. But as you, let's just say you're hoofing it. You got your irons and maybe a hook. You come around. Just as you're, as you're, as you're getting to the back of the building, 
I know you've taught this. We've taught them to address you. Don't ever pass. If you've got a working fire, don't ever pass the gas. You know, just simple things, a gas meter. Gas meter is a quarter turn. You can shut off and be done for them. Same thing, if, you know, if, if we should teach our guys with some of the newer buildings that don't have the drip lines from the power company. You know, if you walk by and, and you see you've got a breaker box with that little lock in the bottom with, on the switch, that you could pop that real quick. And just throw the switch. We're not talking about pulling meters unless it's an emergency involving a firefighter and there's a whole other class, whole other show. But to pop that and throw that breaker real quick, you're not going to hurt yourself. Just to shut things off from the meter in, look at already what you've accomplished just with utilities, just shutting the gas off a quarter turn and throwing a switch. So let's talk about, John, they're getting around the back. You're, you're the BC in front. You sent me to the back as the OV. I'm getting back there. I'm looking at fences. I'm looking at utilities. I'm looking at wires. I'm, I'm giving you some feedback on fire conditions and things like that. I get back there. You know, I'm looking, I'm always, we've always told guys I'm looking for pools, you know, especially built-in pools that, you know, wintertime fall when they're covered up or whatever, you know, we've had firefighters fall in pools at night, not paying attention. Um, you know, the difference, John, between a backyard that has a bunch of toys in it and play, play sets and a backyard that's like really clean, a couple of religious statues telling you maybe it's an older couple of those, or maybe without kids. How about that wheelchair ramp, right? How about the wheelchair ramp you see that looks like someone used it? So we may have someone who's bedridden inside one of these bedrooms, whether it's a child or adult. Um, and when you see a ramp, and when you see a ramp, it's for a wheelchair, for a walker, and that means they're on the first floor. You know, obviously people get these things now that go up the stairs, these lifts and things of that nature. But most folks that have a ramp, most folks that are in any, in any way disabled mobility-wise, they're going to be on the first floor. That's where their bedrooms are going to be too, you know. So that's another thing to consider. When you see a ramp, there should be a, a, an added emphasis of victims on the entry-level floor. On the, there should on be the, a, blinking, a blinking light up in your head. The, the ramp serves, absolutely. One more thing about the OV now. Again, he's like, it, it's like having another scout for you. So somebody out scouting the rear, right? So that's the guy or the gal. That's the firefighter that, that's walking down the driveway. You got a one or a two-story house, smoke showing. You don't even know where the fire is. Looks like a first-floor fire, but you can't tell. That's the firefighter that when they're walking down the alley, the driveway, they're popping the basement windows with the end of the hook. Just make sure you don't have a basement fire that looks like a first-floor fire. Point, good point. Good point. Good point. Absolutely. Yep. So Collect a lot of information for you. How many? How many times you've been running a fire in the Bronx or or any, or, or, or with your suburban department where the OV has given you some information that changed what you were doing? tactically as a, as a, as the boss out in the front yard, right? Absolutely. A little bit of information back there. You know, we don't, I, I don't want someone who's a mute that's going around. It's not going to say nothing. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Tell me something. Cause we've talked about how quickly fire conditions can change from the time you got around to the front to the time I get back there, or arrive on the scene and so on and so forth. So, you know, we're hoping that we've got someone that can, you know, a little bit of experience where they can read some smoke. They can read a building. They're not going to get themselves in trouble. I guess a little, little. Uh, every firefighter should have a basic understanding of building construction and you know fourth century and ventilation. And I've always said, John, I need someone who's highly disciplined. If I'm sending somebody to work by themselves in the back of the building, I want someone that knows what they should and should not do. I, I don't, you know, you know what I'm saying. I, and right. I think sometimes through an overly aggressive. I love aggressive firefighters. Don't get me wrong, but the overly aggressive the careless, overly aggressive firefighter can, can get themselves jammed up. And, and I don't even know that because I'm at the front of the building or whatever. So right. we've got I don't want to get uh, uh, 
I don't want to talk too much about the rear of the building because it could be other than the rear. Right, you know, right. One of the most difficult parts of being an outside vent firefighter is figuring out quickly where you think the fire is from the windows, from smoke showing, from fire showing. Where do you see the engine going in now? Because you because you want to be opposite the engine. So if the engine is going to do this, then you got to go over there. If the engine is going to do something else, enter a different point, or maybe th then you might have to change the position that you're going to be because you want to try and be pretty much opposite the engine. So you're opening up the not the rear, but but the area opposite where the hose line is coming in. So if, if they're going in the front door and going to the left, and you see fire out the front window, it's the front window, but it's the corner room. You, you'd do very good to go around to the side, maybe pass the first window, go to the second window and vent it, and that's going to probably vent that same room. You know, So knowing geography of house layouts and windows and room sizes is going to help as well. Well, and I know in the Bronx, and I know how I felt you know, as a chief, the, I, I relied heavily on my OV. That was another set of eyes and ears, You know, someone that was going to feed me some information. Um, like you said, getting back to figuring out it, it may not be the back it could be any side like we're talking about we're talking about the outside vent person that outside vent position you know again this is the person john right that can help you locate they're going to maybe give you a couple more egress points or observations remove some observations maybe there's burglar bars or roll down gates or whatever a lot of these houses nowadays you know they're going to help you with maybe fire smoke uh, uh conditions that maybe extension maybe you got an extension problem with your fire uh, utilities, any other hazards um, that that they can see back there when it comes to that size up, you know, like I said, the cars in the driveway, toys, whatever. But just like you said, you know, you've got fire just to the left. I, I've just always thought I, I've I've known fires that have been made, made, and I mean that in a good way by the OV man. I mean, just so critical. You're in pushing, and you hear them taking a window in the back. And all of a sudden, now you get the relief you need to make the push, or you know they're they're able to to do address a back door, address a force entry thing, give you. And as as the, as the chief, as the boss in the front lawn, that extra set of eyes and ears for you. Any other hazards, you know, warning people about what or whatever. I, I just how many fires, John, have you been to? And and you, I know you've been to thousands, but I'm talking where where you thought the fire was, it wasn't, and another right. firefighter, a truck officer told you that changed how you did things and i'll tell you what we talked about tools before we talked about carrying you know specific tools or a couple of different tools um obviously we're talking about a two-story building you, obviously we're talking about dra maybe dragging a ladder back there by yourself and you're certain you could drag it you could drag a 35 foot ladder by yourself if you want to that's not a big deal um so and, and certainly everybody in the world who wears a helmet been taught how, how to raise even an extension ladder by themselves against the building or against the bush or something like that um, the other thing is you've got to be radio equipped. We've talked about radios in separate yes. classes and, and in, in other ways, but if you're going to be a remote firefighter, if you're going to be an outside vent firefighter going around the side, going around the rear, going out of sight of the front of the building, there's no sense in you doing that and not having a, a way of communicating with, with the incident commander or even with folks on the inside. You know, you, you may have the engine. You may hear them doing something. You may hear the engine saying, start water, and now you know that there's your, there's your timing position. They're, 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 okay, now I can vent the window. You're not going to get around to the rear and start venting windows unless you know the engine's inside on water and ready to fight the fire. So, so timing is very important too, and timing is almost going to be impossible without a radio. So you can see how some tactics are technology dependent and and and, and they're important. Years ago, we didn't worry about timing. Years ago, when I was a young firefighter in eleven truck, we'd go around to the rear, climb the fire escape, get up the second floor, up a portable, bing, bing, bing. We vent the window, no communication, no nothing. Now. 
we report we're in position event, and now either the incident commander or the officer on the inside says, oh, go ahead and do it or hold up for a minute, you know? So radio communications is vital, and having a radio is obviously important. Well, exactly. Like you said, paying attention, listening to the radio. Sometimes we get tunneled in. You know, a lot of younger firefighters, so when I mean younger, inexperienced, good men and women, but they – they don't hear what's being said on the radio. They don't pick up on clues that maybe a more senior firefighter would about how, how things are progressing or, or little tidbits. They're not paying attention as they're walking. They're, they're just bolting to the backyard, not looking at the building. I've always said it, you know, years, years before. I mean, I, I remember right, I have videos of riding out in, in Brooklyn in the Bronx and filming the OV. And he always had his, his head was always up. His head wasn't down. He was. He got off the rig. He's grabbing his tools. He, he or she was looking up, and you. They just were dialed in, never dropping their head, paying attention to the building, paying attention to everything they've got. Um, hell, you get around the back, you see toys versus a bunch of rose guards with religious. I mean, handicap ramps. We talked about that. You know, having a handicap ramp in the back's an indicator. You may have someone who's bedridden. You know, someone someone that that can't get out by themselves. That's laying there conscious, unconscious, praying for the firefighter to come and get them. Outside vet firefighter, maybe the guy or the gal that gets around to the rear tells you you got to walk out basement, which may not be visible from the front because of terrain, because of bushes, or even darkness of night. They may look like a one-story house with a net, with a shallow peak roof, and also the OV reports, OV to command, we, we got to walk out basement in, in the cellar, you know, in the rear, and it looks like looks like the fire's down there. That That's a gigantic piece of information oh. you know, that's going to amend your strategy. And you find out from one firefighter going around the rear and looking at something. How many firefighters have we lost? Um, I, I know one personally that they, they blew the size up, got back there, thought they're looking at the first floor. They weren't looking at the basement. He fell into the basement and, and, and all hell broke loose and we, we lost a good firefighter. So like you said, you know, I've told people multiple mailboxes, multiple meters, even though don't get snookered because there's always, if there's two meters telling you maybe there's two, two different units or whatever, three, Someone's living in a room illegally somewhere without a meter or whatever like that. So you got to be careful with that. But the basements, the walkouts, the overhead wires, all the different things, you know, and, and let's talk, John, let's talk tool selection. What do you expect your OV to have as tools? What primary tools? They, they, they take, I, I take off the back of the building. What do you want to see me have? You said, it's a I, always like, I always like the OV to have a hook and a, and a halogen, a halogen and a hook. No reason really to have an accident. I don't mean there's no reason for it. There's a, you, there's, any tool can be usable. But a halogen and a and a six foot hook always worked really well. They're both easily carried. You can vent with them both. You can pry windows open. You can do some demolition with them. You can do a lot of stuff with it. Additionally, if you like, like I said, if you if you did drag a ladder back there, now you can bang you can bang that halogen into the ground and use it to butt the ladder a little bit if you're going to climb up. And you can climb up a ladder that's not butted by a firefighter if you have a tool in the ground. If you're not climbing in, you're still an outside guy. You're still working by yourself. And we don't want you to work by yourself if possible. But if you have to work by yourself, you know, and you're staying outside, that's all That's all above board. We're, we're following and, and, and not everybody has, right? We've talked about not everybody has four, five, six guys riding a rig. The majority of the fire service is lucky to have three. Right. You know, so if, if you pull up and, you know, you're the second engine or you say you've got two guys, you know, stretching a line, you're, by, you're the, hey, till we get more help here, I'm by myself. Instead of, you know, twiddling my fingers, I mean, we've already mentioned – not even everything that the OV can do, actually. And we've already mentioned a ton of stuff the OV can do for that attack room, for that chief. Just I tell you another, another thing that I think is real important is, and it comes back to communication again as well. So, so you're in the rear or you're down the side or, or you're in the alley 
and you're doing some venting and the, and the engine's moving in and attacking the fire and, um, and all of a sudden you hear the engine on the radio, you know, engine, engine to wait to command or engine to wait to battalion. Go ahead. Maybe a fire's knocked down and you're standing out in the rear. You get the window vented and it's still, and it's still fire. You get right on the radio. One, one OV to engine to wait. I still got a window full of fire back here. I'm not sure if you're, you may not be fully moved in yet. I don't think you got it all. And that may, you know, give them the information they need to maybe push a little further and make a turn or, or hit the rest of the room. So well, and exactly, and I think that, that just like you said, we talked earlier, that size up the OV getting around the back and being able to tell you, you know, whether you, you things you've already checked off on your list and, and the empty things that you haven't checked off that the OV can actually tell you that you might have missed, didn't see, or conditions have changed. You know, like we said, they, they're, I'm back there. I'm looking, do I have toys? You know, the doors, controlling the door. You know, once if I if I get back there, and we've always told our OVs, you get around the back of a residential structure, you know, I've always said one of the first things I, I want you to do, it, it, you know, it, which should be on a residential structure very fairly easy, is force the door. Just force that back door, all right? Throw a chalk in there so it doesn't close. Give me a, give me a second means of egress for my crews. And actually, it's a quick way to give a little bit of relief. And then, John, how about it? You're by yourself. It's 2 in the morning. I tell guys, I said, all right, start picking your windows. All right, I, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a bathroom window. That's this one. You know what? Those look like my bedrooms. I'm going to take that first bedroom. And, and, and now this is where I think having maybe the eight-foot, instead of maybe a six-foot hook, gives you the ability to reach in there a little bit. You know, you take a window, poke around on a bed, you know, take it, rake it across the bed, maybe on the floor or whatever, you know, going back there, you know, just, just the fact that maybe you're throwing a ladder. How, how many times have you seen this where we've drug a ladder back to a, to a second floor window and as the fire progressed, that ladder has come into play later for a firefighter actually having to bail or get out when conditions worsened and we weren't running around like the Marx Brothers trying to find a ladder. It was already set there by the OV in the first place. Right. And, and on that radio, you know, your terminology could just be OV. OV to command, OV to engine 28, OV to ladder one. You know, and, and, you know, it makes it nice and short. And if you only got one, if you only got one OV at the scene, which often you're going to have just one, that's an adequate unit identifier. And now everybody knows who you are and where you are and you can move around. Like I said, as a chief, it's always great to have an outside firefighter because, like I said, it's a scout. And you can tell them. Hey, uh, Ovi, where you at? I'm just coming around the front. All right, get back around the rear and take a look at the second floor for me. So it's it's another outside guy that you can use to help give you a continuous feedback on the conditions that maybe you can't see from the front of the building. Oh my God! And again, like you said, you may change everything you're doing by one statement you get from the Ov. What the Ov may call you and say, "Chief, I've got this," and you may go, "Oh man, okay, we're losing this." Or looks like got- it's in the attic. We got to come out of the eaves in the rear. You know. And you may not see that in the front. It's pushing out that basement window that it wasn't pushing out at first. You know what I'm yep. saying? We had no no indications of that. So, I mean, I think about the, everything the OV can do for you from helping the incident commander, right, with their size up, smoke conditions, fire conditions, building conditions, just addressing utilities, identifying whether I've got a handicap ramp or not. I've got a pool back there, cars in the driveway. You know, it doesn't look occupied or not. Throwing a ladder for a second means of egress you know, not just for me, but, but, but for anybody inside, I mean, the list of things that they can do. And it's know, a single firefighter. It's a oh, single firefighter. And a house fire has a dramatic impact. Oh, I, I mean, you know, we talked about, you're paying attention to wind conditions, but John, like you said, a single firefighter accomplishing all those tasks that can literally make or break the incident for you as the IC with that engine crew. Um, 
I, I think sometimes we don't, we, I, think, I don't think we do, we don't do it justice sometimes with what we talk and how, how we do things, you know, when it comes to the OV. And I think people, you know, Chiefs in particular, I think they have to, they have to abandon that idea that a, that a single outside Ben Firefighter is somehow freelancing or doing something that he's not part of a team and it's unsafe and all these other, all these other accusations. I don't, I don't think they're true. I think it's, it's probably if you learn how to develop and train a, a couple of firefighters to be outside Ben Firefighters, I think the position is a, is a much more helpful position. And I think it's going to help you knock fires down faster and put fires out faster. And it's, it's almost like having a, 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 a helper out in the rear or down the sides or in the alleys giving you a good, good information during the fire. Exactly. And, and if they're trained and they know not to, and I used to tell my guys, you know, if they're going through the front with a line and we've got fire here, you know, if you're going to take a window, don't take a window, you know, behind your crew or you know, don't do something that's going to make the situation worse for them. Be smart about what you're doing. You know, we're, we're venting, we're, we're venting for fire at times and we're venting for victims and we're venting to help the crew. Uh, like I said, that, that has been just the maker or breaker of a lot of incidents when we do that. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, so you've got to have that, that great, you know, ability to be able to get around and take a quick look and make good decisions. I think it's, I think it's an easily trained position that takes a lot more talk about decisions about when to and when not to do certain things because you can either make or break that incident. Um, and, and basically, John, as we close things out on this, how important is it? I mean, I know for me, you know, when, when the vendor, when, when, when the person doing vendor and search, when the OVM, the OVP, whatever you want to call it, outside vent position, outside vent man, whatever, was finished, I want them to tell me, you know, face to face or on the radio, just say mission accomplished, done or whatever. And I think, John, it's important to know that if they tell me that, that means they've addressed utilities, they've opened up the backside, they've searched what they can from the outside, you know, they've given me a good size up, and, they've, and there is absolutely no out-of-the-ordinary hazards I should be concerned with. I, I, think, I think that's critical. They have to let you know what they did, either mission completed or whatever, and you know all those things are done. I think if, something, if I couldn't address power, I need to tell you because – that's that that's how you know Andy Allison ended up you know getting get electrocuted we had some problems where I think you got to tell command you know chief I got everything done gas is off I couldn't address building still hot let me know that I've still got power inside that building right. you know I, I think it's a big thing if you tell me I got it off at the meter with with the breaker with the switch you know that that's huge um, yep. but that communication link between the EIC and the OV is huge when it comes to getting that done. And I think they can make a break. I know in your business, you know, meaning you're the FDNY and your shop, it's made or break uh, so many oh, yeah. incidents, right? OB is a vital position and, and it doesn't go to anybody, but a good experienced firefighter. No, no young firefighter really gets thrown into that task uh, uh, too early. That's something you got to have some experience and knowledge for. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Hey there, <laughs> we got another show uh, that we did. We covered a lot of ground here on the outside vent position and, uh, uh, the do's and the don'ts. Um, and I think to our, to our listeners, you know, we'd have to do these shows for hours at length to cover everything. I think we covered the highlights. There's always stuff that you need to add to your list. There's always things. I, I think John, one of the suggestions I made to people is get out in your still districts, get out in your town. And instead of just driving down the street, looking at your phone in the jump seat or whatever, look at buildings and go, if I was assigned the OV, 
how would I get to, first of all, how would I get to the back of the building? That's, that's key for a lot of people. And how many obstacles am I having? How would I address all the things that you and I just talked about and play it in your mind ahead of time? I think that's key, you know, key right there if you want to be successful, right? Absolutely. Yep. And if, if you do the OV, obviously, hopefully we gave you some ideas on some things that you can augment. And if you don't do the outside bed position, if it's not something you've really worked into your procedures, it might be something you want to consider and start talking about and maybe running through some evolutions to see if it fits into your plan. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, hey, buddy, if, uh, if they want to get a hold of you, we've done that before. Uh, if they want to get a hold of you, what's a good email for you? Chief John Stalker at gmail.com. And I'm at Chief Lasky at gmail.com. Hey, folks, we appreciate you hanging out with us again. We got literally hundreds of these to do. Uh, we've got some great topics. Some of them just pop up. Some we, we know we want to talk about. Uh, uh, another great uh, uh, chunk of information, hopefully, for you. Uh, we have a ball doing these. We appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, with, with Chief John Salk and Chief Rick Lasky. Um, we end all of our shows, uh, uh, you know, reminding you to, to take care of each other, uh, that never forgetting means never forgetting. Um, you know, keep in mind the men and women that are serving armed forces, and uh, we'll catch you on our next show. So until then, be safe, be kind, and uh, we'll take care of you later and uh, grab some more great topics. So uh, be safe out there, and we'll holler at you next time.